Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furnace. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furnace presents the Beantown Podcast for Sunday, July 28th. <coughs> Excuse me. 2019. What's going on? How are you? What's going on? Just said that. It's like a palindrome of words, a palindromic phrase, if you will. Hey, I've been telling this to people, my new favorite word, and I made it up, but I really like it. Coriolactic. C. O-R-I-O-L-A-C-T-I-C, Coriolactic, Coriolactic, five syllables, almost a palindrome, and it refers to the Coriolis effect, which in turn refers to basically anything that's spinning, specifically the earth, but if something is spinning, I like to say that it's Coriolactic, so... There's your word of the day, your Beantown word of the day. Well, we are the Beantown Podcast, and we are one of the better podcasts on the north side of Chicago. We're your number one source for misinformation on the internet, probably. I say probably to cover our butts in case any litigious person strolls along and wants to cause a brouhaha. Listener discretion is advised. When you're listening to the Bean Tom podcast, number one, we will occasionally use some foul language. Number two, but not the chicken kind. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible. Although, where are we at? This is episode like 81, 82, plus six or seven specials. And uh, you know what? We're still on the air. The, the FCC hasn't banned us. Trump hasn't tweeted about us. I view this as an absolute win, right? It's like that uh, that Hulk meme. I don't know what movie that's from. One of the Avengers, probably, but it's a pretty. It's become a pretty popular meme these days. Well, what's going on? Another awful night for the Chicago Cubs. So I tell you what, Friday night. So two nights ago, I made my my whole night. I made out of going to a bar and watching a Cubs game. I don't usually do that. If I'm watching a ball game, it's usually at home. And Friday night, I'm usually hanging out with friends. But uh, friends were being pains in the, well, I can say it now because we gave our listener discretion tag, pains in the asses on Friday night. So I ended up just going to a bar and myself watching the game. Cubs were doing just fine, strolling along nicely. 2-0 lead, and then in the uh, eighth inning, they gave up a couple of runs, including bringing Pedro Strope, Cubs legend, one of our greatest relievers of all time, but guy who's just, he lost it. Uh, He got hurt to the end of last year, uh, running to first base, believe it or not, pulled a hamstring, and it's, that's, I think it's the end for, for our friend Pedro, unfortunately. Um, But he had just given up the lead, uh, like the day before, two days before, and then he did it again on uh, Friday night. And then, of course, you know, Brooker brings in Josh Hader, and that's that. Well, yesterday I wasn't watching the game, but equally frustrating. Cubs up again, 2 nothing, And then in the bottom of the eighth, they gave up two runs, so tie game. Goes into extras, and then Albert Almora hits a home run in the top of the tenth to put us up 3-2. So you're thinking, God, this was... We almost lost the same way we did, you know, the night before, but thank God we're going to get this one. So we bring in our our, our closer, Craig Kimbrell, to uh, 
to close out the game in the bottom of the 10th, I saw the stat that said, uh, I think, in his previous 165 games before um, coming to the Cubs, Kimberla had only given up, oh, I'm trying to remember what the stat is, basically multiple home runs in an outing, like twice or something. And then Kimberla's been in, I think, like 15 games of the Cubs this year, and he's done it twice already. Um, so I just foreshadowed what happened. Gives up a leadoff homer to Yelich. Then I think he walked the next guy, and then the guy after that hit a home run, and we lost 5-3. to three. Didn't even get an out. Um, so, yeah, the Cubs are just about in full free fall mode right now, which is fun. Considering such a streaky team, we were 72 out of the All-Star break, and then we've played what, five road games now and lost four of them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a rough time to be a Cubs fan because we keep getting these leads, getting into the eighth, and that's that's as far as that lead goes. So it's fascinating to watch how consistently they're able to hold teams down all the way until the very end of the game and then like clockwork they're they just seem to not understand i don't know if it's because at a certain level you can predict a lot of baseball with numbers percentages where to shift where to pitch a guy what types of pitches what type of sequences to use and then you have like craig kimbrell coming last night one of the greatest closers in baseball history and gives up two home runs without getting it out and it's just like I know you're facing Yelich I know he has 36 home runs but like there's got to be a place where you can pitch that guy right don't give him something belt high it's just it is egregious is what it is egregious e-g-r-e-g-i-o-u-s it's three vowels in a row for you counting at home so yeah, I'm just a little little perturbed, if you will. I think the hardest thing is this is a team with such immense talent and uh potential. And outside of getting another bullpen arm, I mean the Cubs literally got Derek Holland from the Giants two days ago. He came in pitched last night. I don't think he didn't do very well last night. Or maybe he just faced one guy, I don't know. But it's like we still haven't addressed the fact that we can't go through the eighth inning without giving up two or three runs. It's ridiculous. In our far offense, our, which is supposed to be our strong suit, it wasn't, you know, four or five years ago. But now it's supposed to be our strong suit, the offense, with Baez and Contreras and Rizzo, Bryan and Hayward and the whole gang, um, you know. We keep only jumping out to these two-run leads, 2-0, two 3-1, to, to one, something like that, which on most teams would be fine because most teams can close a baseball game, but not these Cubs. So, hey, it would be nice to score a couple more runs. Cubs offense does this way too often, and we saw it happen at the end of last year, where despite all their talent and all their skills and all their experience, right, the Cubs are – by age, young, but they've been playing a lot of playoff baseball the last four years. They just seem to not care 
I don't know if they just throw their discipline out the window or if they every batter goes up there just saying, I'm hitting a home run or I'm hitting nothing. But the Cubs have almost no ability to manufacture runs if they're not slugging, which as an old-school baseball player and watcher, I'm not saying go up there and you know, lay down a bunt. That's not what I'm calling for. But just, they're like, if you need to hit the ball the opposite way, they're not doing that. If you need a smart base running move, they're not doing it. They're not stealing any bases. They're really not working the counts as well as they should be. It's just like, and they just go through, they'll have, you know, a week where they're doing all those things to perfection and you know that that's what they're capable of. And then they'll go through two weeks where they just kind of, you know, they'll have a game here and there where they hit a bunch of home runs and that's, that's enough. But they'll just have innings where it's like nine or 10 pitches. They're swinging at everything. And, uh, I remember I was watching the game Friday night and I couldn't, I lost count of the amount of fastballs outside of the zone that they were swinging and missing it. And it's not, it wasn't every single one was like high heat. There were low fastballs. There were fastballs that were, you know, six inches off the outside corner. There were, of course, a handful handful of high fastballs. But just, I never understood it as a baseball player. And I know it's different when you're playing in your 15 versus when you're facing 95 miles per hour, but I never understood swinging at the fastballs out of the zone. It's just like, you look at a guy like Joey Votto, he gets it. He knows what his zone is. He's got a a good eye, so he recognizes spin on pitches. And in, you know, the half split second interval, you have to process what the pitch is, what the spin means for its movement and where it's going to end up based off of this guy's velocity of his pitches. It sounds like a lot, but when you're getting paid millions to process it, it's kind of a good idea to do your homework. And it just seems like this batch of Cubs, despite their immense talent and their crazy high ceiling, oftentimes they just decide this game, we're just not going to whatever, it's like if it gets if it gets too hard, if the pitcher's too good, then it's just like, ah, eh, whatever. It may be we swing and hit a home run. That would be kind of cool. But otherwise, like, hopefully the pitchers will take care of it. And for the most part, Cubs starting pitching has been dynamite. Hendricks is definitely all the way back. Lester's been hot. Quintana is, I mean, Quintana's going to go six innings, two runs, without fail pretty much every game and uh even alec mills looks good new darvish is heating up we'll get hamels back from the dl soon so but we just can't pitch in the eighth inning it doesn't matter who it is i don't know why uh i have to look at our bullpen structure it feels like brandon kinsler has been the guy all year who's been mr reliable so i don't know why he's not doing the eighth everyone's saying if it's not strope it's got to be rowan wick i don't really know rowan wick i've never really seen him play he's a triple a guy so whatever try him out in the eighth but why not kinsler right because he seems to be a shutdown guy 
give C-Shack like a week off beach vacation. Man, Joe uses him way too much. Oh, this is my last point that I'll make. For, and then we'll read, read some ads, and then I'm going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Joe Madden, Cubs legend, one of the better managers in baseball history. He's up there on the all-time career wins list. But, man, I just I don't know. So he's on the last, for those of you who don't know, last year of his contract. And at the start of the season, there's a lot of talk about extensions or – you know, what has to happen for him to get a, a, a contract extension offer from the Cubs? Is it World Series or bust? Is it NLCS? Is it making the playoffs? What is it? Um, does he have to do anything? Whatever. At the start of the year, I was a big Joe guy. Had his back. I mean, he went under a lot of fire, especially during the World Series run for pitching management, Chapman for, you know, seven outs, whatever, yada, yada. You guys remember that three years ago. And, I mean, a lot of those are really hard decisions to make. And when you have an unreliable bullpen, and that was the Cubs situation in 2016, um, I mean, you remember, you go back and watch those playoffs, Joe did not trust... um, anyone in that bullpen besides the oldest Chapman, which is crazy to think because they didn't even get him until the deadline. He didn't trust Strope. He didn't trust Rondon. Um, he didn't trust Montgomery, Edwards, Dunsing, I think, was on that team. Travis Wood might have been on that team. I don't remember. Um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he left before that. But uh, you look at the World Series, who did we use? Hendricks to Lester to Chapman. That was the plan, and then that didn't work. Um, and then they brought in C.J. Edwards and then Montgomery to finish. But, um, yeah, my my point that I was trying to make is through all that, through thick and thin, I, I saw most of what Joe was trying to do, and I said, all right, you can't control the the outcomes as a manager. You can only minimize risk as much as possible. This year, man, I just don't feel like Joe is is doing that as effectively as efficiently. Uh, and he's also, I don't know, Joe's Joe's tends to be a pretty transparent guy, um, but he's made some bullpen decisions this year that we never really got ton of explanation for and it's just yeah pulling Hendrick he's been pulling starting pitchers early which is tough because you want to protect your pitchers arms especially if you're trying to make an October run but at the end of the day I mean if your guys at 90 pitches and you don't have the bullpen plan to get through the last four innings of the game and your starting pitchers been absolutely lights out no problems throw him in there again come on unless he's injured if he's feeling fine get him a Gatorade let him go out and throw 15 more pitches to finish off another three batters because what happened on Friday Joe didn't have the the bullpen length to get through the four innings he needed and look what happened so I rest my case. Wow, a 10-plus-minute rant on the Chicago Cubs. I don't normally – people know me. They know I like sports. I don't normally sit here and rant 
about sports, however, and that wasn't even my plan. I didn't plan that out. I was just really frustrated. I think it's because I invested my entire Friday night into watching a game. I literally sat at a bar for three and a half hours watching this game, and the first three hours and ten minutes of it were really enjoyable, and then the last 20 minutes really sucked. And then last night I didn't watch it, but I was following it. I was at a house party. I was following it on my phone, and... uh just absolutely brutal to go from 2-0 to all of a sudden it's 2-2 and you're like, oh, here we go again. Then you're up 3-2 again after a home run in the next year innings and you're like, oh, great, we got this. And then you see it's 3-3 and you're like, god damn it. Well, let's get to the 11th and the next thing you know, no outs are recorded and you lose 5-3. It's just like, oh, wow. All right. Next one. Cubs still haven't run a, won a road, road series in, uh, where are we at, about two months now. So that's not how you win in October, let me tell you that much. Let's get to some ads here, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My hope is to publish um, my the article about it. I haven't written anything yet, but I've got a lot of thoughts up here. So I'll just I'll muse a little bit on the podcast and I'll try not to spoil anything. There's not a ton to spoil, but for those of you who haven't seen it, and I understand that's most of you because it just came out on Thursday night, let's talk about it in a little bit here. All right. I'm trying to – so I'm lying on my couch. My Craigslist free couch, and, uh, you know, so my head is turned sideways, and I'm trying to read my laptop screen, which is on the coffee table. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Let's do our best here. I think the Home Pride Oregon ad I know well enough. I could probably do a pretty good job of without the ad in front of me reading it. But let's see here. I got this. Are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth? All because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time. Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. It's your classic SMM, so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified. Wow, it's a two-in-one package. So you know you're getting the good stuff. It's like if you go on a Tinder date with fraternal twins or identical twins. If you're tired of big real estate's wrangle hold, <clears throat> On the home inspection market, and you want a safe, certified home inspector that you can trust, you better call Steve. Pick up that phone right now and call him at 541-410-0316 or visit HomePrideOregon.com. There's no excuse. Call 541-410-0316 or visit HomePrideOregon.com. Home Pride Oregon Inspection perfection and of course when you go to homeprideorgan.com you can see that they've got the guarantee i don't remember the name of the insurance company who does it but if steve misses anything in your inspection they're gonna buy your home for a dollar or it's something like that it sounds too good to be true doesn't it but you can go to homeprideorgan.com and check it out here i'll do you i'll do you one better i'll look at it oops that's beantownpodcast.com i have various websites bookmarked on my internet browser HopeprideOregon.com. Wow, look at that website. Serving Bend in Central Oregon. It's the InterNACHI CPI Certified Professional Inspection Guarantee. As a certified professional inspector, and I'm reading off of HomePride, 
Oregon.com, and I almost belched, which is why my voice sounds weird. I was eating a Danish earlier. Oh, man. So I go grocery, I try to go grocery shopping at like 8 a.m. on Sundays because that's when the grocery store opens, and it's super quiet because it's like on a Sunday morning, that's before everyone kind of gets going. People are awake, but they're sort of groggy, G-R-O-G-G-Y, um, or hungover. So if I get there right at 8, I got the whole grocery store to myself. I feel like if they made a risky business sequel or – Tom Cruise just goes grocery shopping the whole time. That's kind of what it's like. Um, let's see. According to Steve, I have completed a rigorous training program, and I'm certified by the country's leading home inspection organization. This means you can be assured that I have the knowledge and experience to do the best possible job for you, my client. We'll buy your home, guarantee full purchase price, backed by Internachi. If we miss anything, they'll buy your home back. And then they got guaranteed details. It's a nice little, what are we doing, a PDF here? Yeah. Wow, it's got all the information you could ever want. Look at that. Go to Home Pride Oregon. Click on that Internachi guarantee, and they'll get you hooked up. All right. Shout out to the Samson Q2U series. Always fresh, always uh, clean, crisp. You got to have it. If any of you listen to the White Noise podcast lately, we just had our first new episode in a couple weeks drop this last Tuesday, and we should have another one uh, dropping at the start of this upcoming week. But Samsung Q2U series, in case you're curious, not only does it serve as the Beantown podcast, it serves as the White Noise podcast as well. So just remember, whether it's Quinn... Whether it's our friend of the podcast and co-host of the White Noise Podcast, Matt Fiedler. Whether it's any of you beaners or bean heads out there. Or whether it's God. When we speak, we use a Samson. And I don't have it in front of me. And I don't remember the name of the company, which is not good. But what, what, did, what did I say? Audacious Curves? Something like that. Ferocious Curves? Fabulous Curves? <laughs> wow. I didn't even, I don't know where that came from. Um, it's, uh, I cleaned off my coffee table. All my magazines, including my TV guides, are in the other room. Um, but it's a lingerie company, and we're still trying to get that sponsorship. So if anyone's got any contacts at, what was it, Dubious Curves? Is that right? Is it Dubious? It's some lesser known adjective that kind of surprised me when I saw it. I remember talking about it two or three weeks ago. But we're trying to get them, you know, for the ladies, for the ladies, uh, listeners of the podcast. It could be fun. Maybe we could get one of those things where it's like use promo quote, promo quote, quote. It's not a word. Promo code QDF or something to get 50% off your next T-shirt bra. I'd be down. I would be down, man. So look out for that. I'll keep you posted. Let's finish up here with Cuts by Q so we can talk a little Tarantino. Bob and Weave. We all know the hairstyle. We all love it. But how many north side of Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts by Q. It's like Enter Sandman, but a little different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations servicing north side of Chicago, Cook County, and greater Chicagoland area. From beehives to bangs, faux hawks to flat tops, 
and everything in between and everyone in between. Call cuts by Q at 815-298-7200 or email cuts by Q at yahoo.com. Again, that's cuts. Q-U-T-Z. Q-U-T-Z by Q at yahoo.com. Oh, and sing along with me if you're at home, if you're driving home, if you're swimming, if you're biking, or if you're just at a quinceanera and they said, hey, you know what we'd love to do? Play us a Bean Town podcast installment and everyone join in. Oh, when you need a fresh do, something snappy and new, just call the experts at Cuts by Q. Thank you to all the quinceaneras out there. Say habla espanol. I like to say that to feel inclusive. Um, okay. We are going to finish off here with a little Tarantino talk. All right, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino, number nine, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie are the three sort of big ones. And then also uh, limited action from, let's see, Pacino, uh, Dakota Fanning, plays Squeaky from Bruce Dern is in it. Um... Emil Hirsch has a pretty small role. I'm trying to think. I don't want to offend anyone. That's that's what's coming to me off the top of my head in terms of, oh, uh, uh, Kurt Russell, of course, is in it as well. Um, but not a big part. It uh, Okay, so f- right off the bat, it's an entertaining movie. If you like Tarantino, you're going to like this movie. It's not as gory as you know kill bills and glorious bastard etc it's not as much about that um for the most part i mean tarantino's movies are about how much he likes movies this is just like the ultimate epitome of this i mean there's are there are scenes so if you don't anyone doesn't know in the movie leonardo dicaprio and brad pitt play fictional characters pretty much everyone else is real um but dicaprio plays a uh, fading actor, Pitt, Pitt plays a stunt double. Um, but there are move, there are scenes in this film where it's just DiCaprio acting, so an actor within a show. Um, for I mean, there are a couple sets that go on for like double digit minutes. It feels like it's 165 minutes the whole movie, so it's long. The second act in particular is really long and what i'll say about this movie and one thing that i haven't really decided how i feel about it yet but the first and second acts of the movie are kind of like their own thing and then the third act is really short not really short but much it feels way smaller than the rest of the movie and that's where like everything happens so if you don't know much about the movie it was kind of being packaged or branded as um, being about you know the end of sort of this quote unquote age of innocence in Hollywood, which is BS, but um, and sort of the Manson family and and all that stuff. It's really <laughs> it's only about that for a little tiny bit. Um, so a lot. I mean, if you're just really into really good acting 
and Tarantino style and excellent cinematography, then I mean it's a it's a good movie because Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are excellent. Now. I'm going to try to do this without spoilers. I have a lot of issues with the film, and it's probably my least favorite Tarantino movie. Um, For starters, so you kind of go into the movie assuming Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate is going to have a pretty big role, um, considering she's a very important figure in this historical timeline. Uh, Instead, Tarantino just kind of relegates her to... A total object and not really not a sexual object it's the movie doesn't take that turn at any point um sexually isn't part of the movie to be honest but she doesn't do anything you don't get any insight into her she has very few lines not a ton of screen time she's by herself the whole movie she never gets to interact with anybody that you are invested in um I guess that's kind of a spoiler. Spoiler alert. I don't think these are anything major. But, um, yeah, she just doesn't really do anything. Um, and, I mean, for Tarantino, who has a not great rap sheet with how he – his relationship with women on his movie sets, uh, I'm thinking, like, Uma Thurman and uh, Kill Bill stunt double stuff. Um, but then also his, you know, Roman Polanski comments, it all just kind of adds up in the way he, um, not treats, but the way he portrays Sharon Tate's character is just like, really? Like, you're going to make a movie specifically about this and that's what we get? That was really frustrating to me. Um, let's see, what else did I have issues with? Um... There are there are a couple other points in that vein that I wanted to to touch upon. Um, I talked about Sharon Tate. The women in general aren't really given anything to do in the movie. Um, there's going to be a big spoiler here. Uh, I'm going to try to talk about it without saying it. Brad Pitt's character has a very important thing happen to him. Um, that is given very little attention, screen time, and in most situations would be considered a really big deal, um, but Tarantino just kind of plays it off as a joke. And in general, I guess the point I'm getting to is this movie does not look good um, for Tarantino in terms of his relationship with women. Um yeah, it just, I don't know. He had to have known what it was going to look like, but it wasn't good. Getting a phone call here. No, I can't answer. I'm on live air. Oh, no, now it's making my computer freeze. <laughs> no! All right, if you can still hear me, my name is Quinn David Furness, and this is my podcast. Quinn David Furness presents the Bean Town Podcast. Um, other issues I have with it, so the, I mean, the whole female aspect of it was probably the biggest issue I had with it. Boy, my computer's running slow. Wow, we're doing our best to get us to the finish line here. Apologies if any of this is choppy. Um, this script I didn't think was that interesting. As far as Tarantino humor goes, there were some funny moments. Um, 
and there's kind of a an aspect to Leonardo DiCaprio's character that I thought was really funny and really fascinating, but they only kind of hit it up twice. Um, and then the rest of the time, it doesn't really come into play, which is just a bummer because that was, to me, that was the most entertaining. Um, again, I'm trying to talk about this movie without giving anything away. Uh, the uh, only other thing, not only, I, there are lots of things I want to say, but for the sake of time, the pa- we already mentioned the time, 165 minutes, I think. The pacing is, I I didn't love it. I thought it started off well. And then the second act, are, it's like three separate storylines. Uh, each main character is sort of doing their own thing. And it's real slow. Man, it takes... I mean, one of the characters is just doing something that doesn't really matter to anything. And it's just kind of there as like a artsy thing. It has nothing to do with the movie, in my opinion. And the the shots are really cool. The camera work is interesting and creative, but in terms of its actual like, <laughs> it was just I wasn't sitting there bored, but the whole time just thinking like, what's the point? What's the message? This doesn't mean anything. And another character has Brad Pitt's storyline is kind of the most uh, intriguing. Um, or interesting or entertaining to watch from like a keep you on the edge of your seat perspective. But even then, you're just kind of like, it's in the middle of the movie. Nothing's going to happen to Brad Pitt. And then Leonardo DiCaprio's storyline in the second act is just, it's it's like Quentin Tarantino playing with himself. Apologies for that image. But um, this Tarantino spends half an hour in the second act of this movie just... Uh, having Leonardo DiCaprio act and it's like this is fine but it just feels not completely out of place but just like it's just too long man like it just goes and goes and goes this feels like the director's cut um, which is the kind of last point I'll make and I mentioned this I saw it with my brother Um, it kind of just feels like at this point Quentin Tarantino now is, you know, such a huge success and worldwide name where in his early movies, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, um, he was on such a tighter leash from the studios that everything was just a lot more clean, not not in the sense of, like, lack of gore, but just, like, it was tight. Um, and now that he sort of has total creative license to do whatever he wants... You can appreciate that, but it also just means, like, if you're the type of person who falls asleep during movies, uh, good luck in the second act of this one because, it, boy, it takes a long time for him to say anything. And what he says at the end is, and I'm talking about Tarantino and like, a macro scale at this point, what the movie says is not, to me, that interesting. Frankly, um, it's kind of like Seinfeld. It's kind of a movie about nothing, TBH. Uh, and not, uh, Seinfeld is the greatest sitcom of all time, so maybe that says something about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But it just, I don't know. I don't hate the movie. I liked it. I was entertained by it. Where my issues come into play are the fact that it's a Tarantino movie, and he's only making a ton of them. 
and we have really high expectations and high standards. And this one to me is just, in fact, his last two now, this one, Hateful Eight, I'm just like, now that Tarantino's completely off the leash and he can just do whatever he wants, I haven't been that entertained. Um, his last three movies now are all kind of pseudo-westerns, and it's just... Or like having to do with westerns. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not a western, but it centers around western aspects. And if you don't know what that means, just watch the movie and you'll get it. Um, and I like Django, but like, I don't know. It's just, I was kind of, everyone's always like, oh, you think Tarantino's actually going to stop at 10? And he did an interview with Kimmel this past week where Kimmel asked him about it. Tarantino seemed pretty confident that, yeah, he was going to stop at 10. And, and up until, you know, two movies ago, I would have been like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Now I'm like, yeah, that's fine. We're we're good. I'm going to stick to, you know, my happier memories, you know, Django. Uh, a lot of people love Inglorious Bastards. I go back and forth. It's really violent for me. I have a hard time watching it. Um, but Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs is great. Um yeah, I don't know. Tarantino is great, and he's really talented. I just... His movies aren't always my favorite. For a lot of different reasons. Oftentimes, they're too violent. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was not that at all. It's a lot of different things that I just went through. So, we're going to try to put up a full review on BeantownPodcast.com. You can check that out um, as soon as we get some time to organize and collect my thoughts. I'll get that down. Uh, but if you have any questions, comments, concerns, maybe you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you want to let us know what you think, you can always email us, beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's beantown, B-E-A-N-T-O-N, podcast at yahoo.com. You can always tweet at our uh, Twitter page. We are at beantowncast, and we would love to hear from you. Direct message us wherever you can find us, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. Uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, not CastBox yet. We're getting there, but Spotify, wherever, whenever, and whomever. It's got to be Coin David Furnace presents the Bean Town Podcast. All right, thirty-eight minutes. That sounds pretty good to me. TBH, not too long, not too short. Right in that sweet spot. This was a little bit more of a concise podcast. We talked about two things. We rambled about the Cubs. Bitched, I think, is a better word. We bitched about the Cubs. And uh, did a little bitching about Quentin Tarantino. A little bit of complaining the last couple of podcasts, you know. But that's what the fans say they want. So just turning into Bill Burr over here. All right. I got to get some stuff done. Let's go do it. All right. For all of us here at Quentin David French presents the Bean Town Podcast. New episodes weekly. Don't forget. Thanks for tuning in uh, to all the beaners, beanheads. As a reminder, we have Bean Town Buttons. So next time you see me, ask me for a Beantown button, and we'll be sure to hook you up. All right, that's what we got. Everyone have a great Sunday. Uh, Be safe, be kind, and stay out of that heat. If you have AC, it might be a good day to turn it on. We don't all have that privilege, so take advantage of it. Call the ones you love. And i got to call my sister back because she interrupted the Beantown Podcast live recording session. How dare she? If she was on Family Chat this morning, we wouldn't have had that problem. Oh, well. Separate family issues. We'll talk to you later. This is Quinn. This is my show. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later.